Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. And hey, we've got baseball kind of sort of a little bit. We've got baseball practice. Uh, They're doing spring training. It's officially started underway today with the Colorado Rockies victorious triumphant I, I, I like being silly this time of year sorry uh, a 12 to 5 win over the Arizona Diamondbacks which in February doesn't mean anything except for there were a handful of things that mean some stuff so let's talk about those also figured this would be an opportunity to introduce a, a new kind of format that I want to play with this year where rather than basically going line by line, here's how the offense did, here's how the pitching did, here were some of the key moments in the game. As we've talked about before, not even just in spring training with these games not mattering ultimately who wins or loses, but in the grand scheme of things, the Rockies aren't going to have a good year, right? This is all about the future. Everything that we're talking about here and everything that today was about was about the future. And as such, I figure I'm going to do some streamlining of podcast topics this year. And more often than not, I'm going to give you three up and three down. So that's what we're going to do from this game, which means that there's going to be some good stuff that happened. I'm not going to be able to talk about in lots of games. There's probably going to be some bad stuff that happens that I'm not going to be able to talk about. We all, we all know how that goes, right? But for a certain kind of balance to be able to look at it. And again, this isn't going to be every time. Three up and three down. Let's begin with the first up from this game. The obvious thing, the big headline, if there's going to be something to water cooler talk about for the Colorado Rockies after game one of spring training on February 25th, it is, of course, and, and the best possible hope of what it could be was that we'd be sitting here talking about Zach Veen. And that's exactly where we have to start, right? I've said several times before, it's going to take borderline miracle work for Zach Veen to make the roster out of spring training. It it would take a really impressive spring training for him to even go straight to AAA, right? He's probably going to start the season in AA. That said, assuming health, I think midway through the year is when we're looking at Zach Veen. But that doesn't mean that we can't start dreaming on the potential now, right? And it also doesn't mean that you, you don't want this kid getting the year started off hot. Right, the everything this one way or another, whether we're waiting till June or July, whether it's a little earlier than that, whether it's a little bit later than that, this is the year of Zach Veen. Hopefully, it's also the year of Ezekiel Tovar and Michael Tolia and some of these other guys. But Zach Veen is the biggest, it is the single biggest point, especially from a position player standpoint. You know, I'll, I'll put the pitching aside, but from a position player standpoint, this is the guy. And you can't make a better first impression than roping a double and then smacking a homer on a grand total of five pitches that he's seen or something like that. I don't know the actual number, but not a ton. His first two at-bats, he's smashing a baseball. Not only that, he's showing off the speed element, uh, the the double, you know, as much as he hit the ball hard, it was also a bit of a, a leg double, right? And he's going to get so many of those once he gets to spring training. Again, we're talking about a guy who's 6'4", with a lot of natural power, but also over 100 stolen bases over the last couple of seasons in the minor leagues. Kid can fly. And so that's what you wanted to see, right? If Zach Veen had struck out in both of his at-bats today, we'd be going, eh, whatever, it's two at-bats. And so you still have to kind of do that on the flip side. But it it is amazing what momentum and confidence can do for a hitter. No one's got more to prove right now. Last year it was Tovar. 
Uh, you know, in years past, it's been Ryan McMahon, it's been David Dahl, it's been Trevor Story, and right now it's Zach Veen. And this is how you do it. This is how you make your first impression on your manager, on your potential future teammates, and of course on the fans who are paying attention right now. You can't ask for a much better spring training debut than what the Rockies got out of Zach Veen today. You saw a decent hit profile, you saw the monster powers, you saw the monster speed, you saw the great hair, right? All the things that Zach Veen is bringing right now. And so it it almost seems like things never work out this way, especially if you're a Rockies fan, right? Where the one thing you really want to be excited about, usually got to wait a, a week or two before it really starts showing up, right? You, you get... You remember the, the like major league debuts of guys like Eddie Butler or John Gray, right? Where there's all this hype and buildup and then they're out of there in inning three and you're just like, oh man. And that's baseball, right? In the immortal words of Harry Ralston Black, that is baseball. And so you almost expect Veen to go over with a couple of strikeouts, but he didn't. Is it the start of anything? I don't know. But I will tell you this, like those other guys I mentioned before, you know, Dahl, McMahon, Story or whatever, we are going to see a lot of Zach Veen this spring training, and it's going to be very fun. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to pull the plug at some point and, and and send him back to the minor leagues, but they're going to, for good reason, not, not just because it's fun for us, I promise you it's not because it's fun for us, because they're really getting their eyes on him, right? This It's decision-making time from the manager standpoint, from the GM standpoint. They want to know everything about this kid because Bringing him up is not about saving the 2023 season for the Rockies. It's about making 2024 and beyond competitive. And in order to do that, you need to give Veen every opportunity to succeed. And there's that tough balance between challenging him, which they've already been doing. Remember, he's a child. Sorry, he's he's not. He's a grown man at 21 years old. But he just turned 21 like a couple of weeks ago, right? He is very, very young. Uh, he's got, I think, 36 games of double A experience, and he's out here against major leaguers. Well, sort of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Sorry, sorry, they can say that about that goes both ways. I'm making jokes out here, but you know, making his mark and the confidence to show up and do that again, there couldn't have been a better day one story for Rockies fans for the type of season this is going to be than Zach Veen shows up, hits bomb like. That's as good as it gets. So the number one up very easily goes to Zach Veen. I'm sure we'll be talking about him throughout all of spring training. Let's go with the number one down. I don't have a lot to say about the pitching this afternoon. It was fine. Uh, I will say, I thought Noah Davis, I I didn't really look in. I was listening to the game on on the radio today because I don't have Arizona's TV and I'm not doing all that. But the three walks I don't love. Uh... You know, in general, that, that's got to be one thing that if you're going to harp on something for Rockies pitchers staff-wide, don't walk guys. And especially don't walk guys in a scenario where, you know, damage isn't going to hurt you. There should be no pressure here. There should be no working around. There should be no nibbling, right? It's it's February, right? It's like to grab your best pitch, work on it a little bit, but throw it around the strike zone. And so three walks, don't love that. Uh, is he having command issues? He's just not hitting the, the spot he wants to go. Um, but again, it's not like the guy got rocked. Um, it, it's hard to feel. Again, when you're at this stage of spring training and a guy goes 1.2 innings, you know, the next guy, Ty Block, 1.1, he looked fine. Uh, the, the first strikeout he got with the bases, I can't remember if they were juiced or two on, but uh, good job there. You know, I thought Abad looked good in his first, again, sounded good in his 
uh, first outing. It was great to see Carl Kaufman get out there and pitch and uh, he did give up a run, but that was because of the Rockies' only error on the day uh, from a shortstop. There, there are some of these people I got to learn a little bit more about. Uh, some of these guys coming in that I didn't know super well. But I guess if there's a, a down on the pitching side, it would be don't walk that many people. Uh, and generally speaking, nothing blew me away from a pitching standpoint. There wasn't anyone who came out and was like, oh, okay. Now that said, there was no other than maybe Kaufman, who, who you could, you know, former first round pick, injury history, pitched a lot last season. Numbers haven't quite been there yet. Uh, a little bit of excitement maybe, but uh, the rest of these guys you're just hoping are contributors, right? And, and that's kind of what they were brought in to do. So we didn't see any, for example, Justin Lawrence or Riley Pint or, you know, anything like that. So fine. I guess that's, that's a down there on the other side, back to and up. I'm going to go with Brenton Doyle. Brenton Doyle is going to be another one of those storylines throughout spring training. That's going to be really, really fascinating. The Rockies have now made this clear through a couple of comments they've made in the last few days since pitchers and catchers have reported and basically in the way they got him into the game today. And I always, here's a good trick. If you're not quite sure how the team feels about a player listen to how jack and jerry on the radio or drew and huey if you're watching on tv because those guys are almost always really plugged into how the organization feels and if jack and jerry like they were today are talking about brenton doyle can do this that he can play some great center fielder he's a really good athlete the rockies are taking a very serious look about whether or not he can play a role that tells you a lot that lets you know that doyle has the opportunity to win this starting opening day, starting center fielder job. And that's really fascinating because Jonathan Daza, we've talked about this before on the show, is not a bad baseball player. He's a plus defender. He's a plus base runner. And he's a really good contact bat. He just has no power. And the Rockies need power in their outfield. Interestingly enough, the profile on Brenton Doyle, and by the way, if you want more on Doyle, he was actually on the show with me last year. You, you can come on and listen to him yourself. Bright guy, articulate guy, uh, understands his game, uh, really seems to understand baseball in general. Like I, I'm, I'm high on Brenton Doyle right now, and not just because, because he came on my show, uh, but also because the organization seems to have recognized that this could be a guy who can really be a contributor with his athleticism, speed, defensive capability in the most difficult center field in baseball to play. He also does have natural gap-to-gap power. His hitting ability just hasn't shown up in the minors yet. And the hope here is that Brenton Doyle is just a little bit of a late bloomer, that his profile, like he's he's got a good, it's just a weird thing to say about guys, but I guess it's the, the business I'm in, right? He's got a good body. He's got a good body for it. Just, he's an athlete, man. And, and if he can start making enough contact, again, he's a guy whose speed and natural strength is going to lead to, if not you know, 30 home run type of potential in Coors, the kind of guy who can hit 40 doubles, you know, even if he doesn't end up being a a massive offensive contributor. That, of course, is a a kind of best case scenario, right? But what you saw out of Brenton Doyle today was he looked comfortable at the plate. He's always looked comfortable in center field. That is not a question. That they know he can do. And so that might be the reason why they're going to say, well, let's, let's see what he's got. Let's challenge him. Because we know what Jonathan Daza is, and we know what Randall Gritchick is, but we don't know 100% what Brenton Doyle is, and, and he could turn into quite a bit more. If he doesn't, then he's probably your future fourth outfielder when Zach Veen takes over and, and they go another different direction, right? And, and maybe Sean Bouchard works into this, all of that, whether Tolia settles in at first base or right field, 
all of that is a factor. But Doyle right now, it looks like, is going to get a very legitimate shot to win the opening day center field job. And I think that's fascinating. I think he did a really good job. Uh, showed well of himself today. A couple of walks, base hit, scored a run, moved around the bases very, very nicely. Back to the down again. I got to stretch on some of these, especially when the Rockies play well. And this isn't really a, a criticism so much as it's just I would have liked to have seen Ezekiel Tovar. And I didn't. So that's just a <laughs> just, uh, no Ezekiel Tovar. Would have enjoyed seeing him out there on the baseball diamond. Again, uh, I could actually even throw into this a few other players. There were some exciting players. Uh, Tovar, you'd like to see a little more of. Uh, I mentioned a couple of pitchers earlier, Justin Lawrence, Riley Pint, that I'd love to get my eyes on for right now. Uh, none of those guys. And so, uh, but again, I, I just want to say about Tovar, you know, he was in Zach Veen's position last year. This year, Tovar is your expected opening day starting shortstop, which means he's going to, they want him to play as close to 162 games of shortstop as possible. And he's never done that before. Remember, the minor league seasons don't go 162 games. They, they increase each level you go up. At the lower levels, you know, you'll play something like 90 or 100, then 120, then, you know, 150. But 100, that, that, that is a marathon. That takes quite a bit of conditioning to be able to play a full baseball season and so as opposed to last year where we saw Tovar more than any other player I would think the Rockies would want to pace him a bit this spring training which is going to be tough because you want him ready to go for the start of the season and you want him starting hot and confident and feeling like yeah this is my year I'm going to be rookie of the year and all that stuff but you also don't want him burn out by June on young person energy you know what I mean on that go hard go fast do everything a million miles an hour and then he's gassed by June now I'm less concerned about that because again I don't I don't remember if I've mentioned this or not, but they're not going to be a good baseball team. And so if you have to, you know, rest them later in the year, that's fine too. It's not like you're saving them up for the really important games you're going to play in September because the Rockies will not be playing important games in September. But I do still think pacing it with Tovar makes sense. My final up for you on this one is going to be to the guy whose first name I am still struggling to act. I don't think any of us are getting it 100% correct here, but Elahiris Montero uh, with a really, really nice showing of himself today. I feel like he's kind of become the lost man in the young player prospect talk as we hyper-focus on, well, the guys I've just been hyper-focusing on, Veen, Montero, even Doyle now is kind of a shiny new toy we haven't seen much of. Tolia stole a lot of Montero's playing time in some people's eyes at the end of last season. But the fact is that Montero, who, remember, was a big part of that Nolan Arenado deal, still has shown a ton of promise with the bat, especially when it comes to the power. And guys like C.J. Crone and Charlie Blackman aren't going to be around forever to take up those big strongman DH at bats. And so, you know, I would love to see Montero develop as a defender and make himself an everyday uh, potential player in that type of capacity. But I could also see that, you know, not happening. <laughs> but I think he's going to hit. I think that he, this is one of those guys who's got the eye for it, the body for it, the mind for it, and and the know-how to drive the ball to all different parts of the ballpark. And if it comes together for him, there's there you find a place for a guy on your roster like Montero. And if you can't find a place for him, then you trade him for some quality pitching. But for right now, the best thing that Montero can do for his case is to hit, right? And that's what he went out and did today. So it's nice to see that couple of base hits for him, a couple of runs scored. Uh, I think he's, 
I just said it, but I'll repeat it again. I think he's going to be a factor this year. I think he's going to be a good ball player for the Rockies for several years to come. Uh, and again, much like with Veen, you couldn't have asked for more. Yeah, it'd be nice to see him launch a home run in every single at-bat, right? But if we're keeping it in the realm of reasonability, you just want guys to show up, hit the ball hard, look like they know like they belong, and they're playing confidently. Confidence is the number one thing for all of these young players right now. Across the board, Veen, Doyle, Montero, Tolia, Tovar, uh, in, in the bullpen, the guys I mentioned, Lawrence, Pint, confidence. Even if the results aren't always there, in order for these guys to become the core of the future of the Colorado Rockies, they have to believe that they can be the core of the future of the Colorado Rockies. I believe it. But, but what does that mean? Right? I'm just a guy in a room somewhere. They have to believe it. And when I, I see and I hear and I look and I read about and the handful of them I've, I've met and talked to so far, I think they do. But it's always a process of remembering to believe in yourself. So that was pretty cool stuff to see. And finally, not to end on a down note, I guess if I do three up, three down, and I start with an up, that means every time I'm going to end on a down, <laughs> I'll figure it out. I don't like ending on a down note, but uh, this isn't even really about the game. Uh, my, what I've written here in my notes is, okay, so about pitch clocks. <laughs> uh, if any of you have listened to me regularly, you know that I have come around on pitch clocks. This is something I used to be adamantly against, like traditional Old man screams at Cloud, how dare you put a clock in my game? Clocks don't belong in baseball. They belong in the NFL and the NBA and get that ugly crap away from me, right? That was my position for the first six or seven years that this has been my job. I've come around on the idea of pitch clocks, which is to say I'm, I'm actually okay hurrying the game up a little bit. There, there are, Some of these routines have gotten egregious, both pitchers and batters. And it's, I'm not sure that there's actually one who's worse than the other. It depends on what team you're on, right? There, There's a time you're, for a while where the Red Sox batters were the worst in all of baseball. They'd come to Coors Field. Coors Field games would be going on for four and a half hours long. And not because there was a lot of scoring or a lot of pitching changes, because the Red Sox wouldn't get in the damn box. <laughs> get in the box, let's play some baseball, right? And yes, maybe it is the, quote, wear and tear of this is my 11th year covering games. And sometimes, you know, sending the 12th text to your wife of, sorry, I can't come home. They're in the 14th inning and who knows when the game will end. And uh, or, or, you know, what I'm at Coors Field and yeah, it's just the seventh, but it's getting crazy. You know, all this stuff and, and the game is really slow to a screeching halt. All my long way of saying, I've come around on the idea that, yes, there should be tools in place so that the umpires can speed the game along. And I don't even, I saw a couple of games today where people were pointing out, that was there a ball game that ended today? Somebody put in my Discord, uh, a ball game that ended on the fourth ball being called automatically on a, like, bases loaded, tie ball game, bottom of the ninth, guy doesn't deliver the pitch in time, ball four, game over. And I'm like, Really? awesome because especially this year i'm gonna root for all the chaos let them iron out all these weird things about how many times the pitcher can throw over and all of this nonsense do it this year when the rockies are gonna win 65 games and i can just kind of laugh at the chaos it's causing for all of the teams that are in it but ultimately i'm okay with the general idea of speed the game along and there have to be enforcement mechanisms to speed the game along which means yeah Throw the pitcher, it's a ball, dude. Get in the batter's box or it's a strike, dude. But I saw some video going around on the Twitter machine today and in the highlights and all this stuff, and 
Get that clock off my TV screen. Get it away from me. I don't want to see it. I This was my one thing. When I came around, I was like, look, I can give in on this side. If you all just, the umpire can keep the clock on him. It can be on the television screen if it must be. It can be a graphic on TV if you must. I can, I can probably look away from that. But the clock right behind the catcher? Like a big digital countdown? I can't, I can't do it, you guys. I don't know. Again, maybe I don't know if I'm old man screams a cloud again. I don't know what this is. But I just, when I saw it, I, I recoiled right into my seat. I went, what is that doing there? Not only that, it's got to be distracting to the pitcher, right? And so I'm all for more offense in the game and banning shifts and speeding the game along, which means maybe they'll make a mistake in their pitch execution because they're a little bit hurried. But if they're making a mistake in their pitch execution because, you know, eight, seven, six is right there in their face. Like, I don't know. There's something about this that just does not feel right. And so I don't know what it's going to look like in major league stadiums. Um, I don't want to see the clock. That's all. I'm okay with the rule basically as it is. Guys will adjust. (laughs) As has often been said, baseball is a game of adjustments and players will figure out both the pitchers and the hitters that their old routines aren't cutting it anymore. Get in the box. Let's move the game along. I'm fine with all of that, but I don't want to see the damn thing. (laughs) I don't know what committee we got to write into, what petition we got to sign to get that thing off of my television screen, but I can't stand looking at it. (laughs) So that's, that's my take on the pitch clock so far. Day one of the pitch clock, other stuff, you know, day one of the shift, new rules, all that stuff seems fine. So, uh, Like I said, I'm going to wrap it up there with my three ups and three downs. I'm going to try to keep these shorter in general, but maybe a little more often than I did last year. Because, you know, like I said, when you break down every single game, batter by batter and and pitcher by pitcher, then the next day they play basically the same ball game. There isn't a lot to talk about. So I recognize there were several other things that happened in this game today that I could dive into, but we're going to have our opportunities to talk about Players like Coco Montez hit a big home run. Ryan McMahon, his first at-bat looked good. Uh, you know, some of the pitchers I very briefly glassed over, like Ty Block and um, who's the other one? Nick Abad. Like, I'm going to want to talk about these guys throughout spring training. But that's what maybe tomorrow's show or the day after can be about if we're keeping them kind of snappy. Three ups, three downs from each game. Hopefully, each one of those guys will do something newsworthy that forces me to talk about them in the future. But for now, that's what I have for you. Colorado Rockies spring training game one goes to Zach Veen and goes to your Colorado Rockies. Let me know what you thought. If you've got any further questions out there, hit me up on Twitter at Drew Creaseman. You can always slide into my DMs and ask me about joining the Discord. I can let you know how all of that works. Otherwise, make sure you're keeping up with all the content at milehighsports.com, all the Mile High Sports podcasts, and of course, the radio station. Thank you for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.